welcome to Dragon Bites, the paediatric podcast aimed at paediatric trainees or anyone interested in child health. I'm Asim, one of the paediatric trainees here in Wales and one of the presenters for Dragon Bites. This week I'm joined again by fellow Dragon Bites host Kellen Kenny and by Dr. Pramod Vallabhanini, general paediatrician and educational lead for the School of Paediatrics in Wales. We continue our discussion about reflective practice. If you haven't listened to the first part of this discussion, please go back and have a listen to last week's episode. Anyway, let's get started. So I feel very privileged to have witnessed firsthand these excellent remarks and I almost feel that you two are the voices that I have in my head when I go to reflect because there's always the flip side um, of a reflection I feel and as a trainee growing through the ladder I found reflections more beneficial but I do feel that that you do still have those thoughts either side of the coin Um, and also can I point out that these may not be and Asim and Pramod's actual beliefs, but for the purpose of the podcast, that um, we like to create some kind of drama. Um, So both of you have worked with me, and it's not often that I am silenced, but you both managed to do that there. So first of all, well done for doing that. (laughs) Not many men can say that. (laughs) Um, So let's reflect on the discussion we've just had. So do do you want to go first, Pramod? Because I know that you've done a lot of reading into into reflection and, and thoughts around that and you know uh, like Helen said this doesn't necessarily reflect our personal opinions but now I think we can be a bit more open about what our real thoughts are about reflection. Thanks Asim. I think overall we all will agree that reflection is a good thing. Reflection is something that we do all the time and I go back to an earlier point that you made when you're a young healthcare professional, and I'm just widening this up, you come in, I think we all write very descriptive reflections, isn't it? So it becomes very descriptive. We are writing about the event. We are writing more, focusing on our emotions. Oh, I could have done this right. I could have done that wrong. So you're just doing a straightforward reflection of events. And slowly, as you get better at it, and people give you feedback on your reflection, you make it um, rather than descriptive writing, you go into a state of descriptive reflection. And I think it was Hatton and Smith who talked about these four stages of reflection. And then you start reflecting with reasons, you justify why you did those decisions, and then you offer a further explanation. But I think Hatton and Smith talk about the next two levels of reflection that we should aim in life is where you're looking at a dialogic reflection where you really stand back from the event. The, they call it the balcony view of reflection or the balcony view of resuscitation where you you're seeing the bigger picture and you try to analyze it but I think they end up saying we really need to go into that critical state of reflection where you're starting to think in a broader perspective it's no longer about we see reflection intense as intensely personal but sometimes when you go into a critical level and you must have heard this point about critical reflection a critical analysis a critical summary and can we really take that reflective mode into that broad-based approach of where we imagine things to be would be like the Zen state of reflection, which which we are all hoping and aspiring to. So for me personally, I, I reflect in two ways. I reflect for my portfolio and I reflect for me. 
Um, I don't know, there's no right or wrong as we've discussed with reflections, but some things I do it because I know it's cathartic for me. Um, and I know that I've learned something, but also I found it difficult and I get it all out. Um, and then I go back and think, right, what am I gonna put on? How am I gonna reflect on it for my portfolio? And again, it does bring it into, am I just reflecting to tick boxes? But that's how I reflect. So I've adapted that over my over the last few years of training and that's what works for me. So I think you have to, in a way, find a way that works for you when it comes to reflections. And I've grown to love reflecting and I never thought I'd say that when I was an F1, F2, SD1. I never thought I'd be big on reflecting. I mean, that's really interesting, Ken, isn't it? That, that you need to have a separate process for your own reflections and, a, and, and another one for the formal reflections that you're going to be evaluated on. And it's, a, it's almost a shame that we have to parcel it out like that, isn't it? That, as in, you feel like it should all just be one, yeah. one thing. Whatever you want to reflect on is, is what you reflect on, and that should be the be all and end all of it. Now, Promote, you did this really interesting thing on, on Twitter yesterday that I got to watch unfold, where you asked med students and trainees for their opinions about reflections. And something that you mentioned during our, during our sort of debate earlier, which came up really regularly, was reflections being viewed as a tick box exercise. I think that must, as being a problem because it's mandatory, it's tick box. And loads of the students said, actually, I really like reflecting, but the moment it becomes mandatory, suddenly something switches. Well, what are your thoughts around that, Pramod? I'll, I'll share a practical example with you. Uh, so students have sign-offs when they come on placement. And for us to choose what sign-offs they have to reflect on was itself a mockery of the whole reflective process. And you want these young students and who are coming in with all these aspirations, who, they want to learn, they want to reflect, but making it mandatory, and, and I want you to do a blind audit yourselves, whoever's listening to this podcast, ask medical students what they really feel about reflection. I think you're probably going to get two out of 10 who are really positive about reflection. That is a sad state of affairs, isn't it? There's something that the system has done that has broken the joy of reflection, the joy of learning through that experiences, through those feelings, through the analysis part of the whole reflective cycle. And... Um, they, they go away thinking, okay, this is a tick box exercise. And they had to reflect on the sign off on taking a pediatric history and what they learned from it. And when you, and then people were asked to read the reflections and grade them. So that's where I had to politely decline and say, I can't do this anymore because how do you say a reflection is a pass or a fail? So that I think is really needs reclaiming for medical students who are the future, who you wanted them to be those reflective, kind, compassionate, you know, practitioners of the future. But somewhere you're bringing a sense of almost a sense of animosity towards reflection. And that, that is my concern. And that's my fear. And I really hope the tide will change as things happen in medical education. We, we go away making this summative and mandatory and give that joy of reflection back to medical students. I do feel that there is a change happening though because of the likes of people like yourself promote and the because when I was a medical student um, it was pass or fail um, but now it's not um, as much especially when it comes to training and 
what I've noticed speaking to students, especially over the last year about reflections, I do feel that they enjoy the process more than I did as a medical student. I used to think reflections were the worst. Like, how can someone, well, first of all, my English is poor, <laughs> being first language Welsh. And if I was trying, and I'm an emotive person, if I was trying to express myself, I would go back to my mother tongue. It's natural. So I almost took a massive dislike just because I was trying to express myself and it was being penalized almost. And now I feel the tide has turned and people are enjoying it again. Maybe I've just spoken to the refu, but I do feel that there's a change with reflection that's happening. Um, and I think, and I look forward to seeing that change continuing. I mean, that's, that's really good to hear, Kellen. Uh, I think that the one thing that always worries me about reflection being a summative process, pass or fail, is the, the crux of, the, the, I suppose the two cruxes I've always seen in reflection is you need lots of insight, so as you know where you can make changes, but you also need to make yourself vulnerable in order to admit these are your you know, failings or things that you can improve on. And you make yourself really raw in that process, you know, really critically analyzing your processes, your thinking. And then you submit it to someone. And then for someone to say this thing that you become very vulnerable on, you failed. It's just an awful step. I don't think it's ethically correct to take something as as emotive or as painful a process as a really good reflection can be and turn it into something that you score someone on. So I recently reflected on something that happened in work and I struggled to deal with it because it was something quite personal as um, as I'm working in a local area. So I'm, and everyone who knows me know I know a lot of people and sadly I was involved in a case and I knew the family and I really struggled to deal with it outside the workplace. But once I'd reflected on it and put it on paper, and it was it was so cathartic. And I really, really, really hope that me passing on the fact that I've benefited so much from a reflective process for the future, that more people can see, do you know what? Reflection, it's not that bad. It's therapeutic, it's cathartic, and it can make such a difference to your well-being. And I think we really need to push that now. Thank you, Kellen. I think you make a very valid point there that, that as you were speaking, I could see the joy of reflection in the tone of your voice. And that's the joy. If everybody discovers that as a professional and takes reflection to that level where, you know, you've reached that critical reflective level and you, you enjoy that process of growth. But, but again, the, the problem or the slight state that we are in is how do we make that? How do we reclaim that? Do we really influence people to say, stop using reflection as a tool to punish? Go reflect on it. Come back and tell me what you've learned from it. That, that I think is never going to work. And I hope we never do it to our trainees and we never do it to ourselves. But also what I've realized, and I'll share my reflective model with you, that I work very closely with one of our nurse practitioners who is an educator. And actually, I don't know why we've always restricted ourselves to share our reflections with within the same profession. And we've bought a sense of cognitive blindness that, you know, a doctor should read a doctor's reflections. Actually, when I share my reflections with her, she sees it from a completely different viewpoint. And I'm sorry to bring that point in here, but I think 
when you think about diversity, often we think about race and ethnicity, but actually diversity amongst professionals. How about reflecting with unnursing colleagues? How about them sharing with us and we sharing with them? And, and it's been a complete revolution, a complete different viewpoint of where they come from. And then she says, oh, did you think about this? Or and then you think, oh, okay. So again, when you share those, I think it, different professions as well is something I wanted to bring uh, to you both and see. What, what do you think about that idea of reflecting with other allied health professionals, not only necessarily your supervisors or your colleagues? Well, I've always been a big fan of working within the MDT. <laughs> um, and I, I would be, it would be something that I would, I think, well, to be honest with you, I have shared some of my reflections with some nursing colleagues and my friend who's a pharmacist. Um, sometimes I share them with colleagues to check my English is okay, <laughs> but, but you know. <laughs> um, so I think that is something that we really should consider almost as group therapy because it's there is something that you can learn from so many as you as you said you can learn so much from others and it helps growth within yourself and, and i think you both touched upon something else there that I, that I, I think we 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 raised earlier but i really wanted to follow through on which is you know alternatives to the written reflection and there are there's really good evidence now for for um for alternative forms of reflection and one that you you know there are things like Schwartz rounds and Bannon groups and those utilize people from other disciplines and, and and you reflect as a group and it's a completely alternative way to reflect that's non-judgmental um and that I was trying to think of other ways that I'd come across to reflect as well and I feel like we should be promoting this more amongst our, our trainees it doesn't really just have to be the written reflection. So I see, I went to a workshop at a conference, a medical education conference last year, where they were trying to show you how to use like comic book strip drawings as a way to reflect. So instead of, instead of writing out what happened, you just draw. And then through your ability to, you don't have to be good at drawing, just you, you draw the panels that you think are important and you can fit onto an A4 page. And therein is your reflection because those are your key learning points from it. And people can take from it what they want. And then there was something else that they'd come across. I think it was, uh, I can't remember the name of the person who coined this phrase, but it's the 55 word reflection. So you write out a reflection in its entirety and then you cut it in half and then you cut it in half again. And then you keep cutting it down until the entire reflection has been summarized in 55 words. And it ends up taking more the form of a poem than, than a standard written reflection. Yet again, I think what's really good about those latter two modes of reflection is through drawing and through poetry, you evoke emotions, you know, so you're, you're evoking things that we can't put words to. And I think one of the drawbacks of the written reflection is writing is a really blunt instrument and not all of us are natural poets who can, who can allude to the very complex feelings we have in certain circumstances. And these give us really useful alternatives for getting those feelings across. Um, so I just feel like that we need to do more work promoting alternatives to the written reflection. I didn't know if you had any thoughts around that promote. I think general practice is slightly ahead of, um, as I think in the hospital, they've started promoting verbal reflections. And I think uh, one of the papers that I was reading, they gave an example where they said, you bring 10 cases that you 
feel would be worthwhile sharing. And then the GP would provide minutes of these discussions. I thought that was quite a nice thing to do and bring a slightly different flavor to your reflections. And they also saying that you could do it video based. So I think we got to offer an alternative to written reflection. And I think you make a valid point that not all are blessed with that art of writing. And actually, if you look at this paper that has come up with some qualitative analysis of reflection, people are worried about what people might perceive with the language of reflection. And, and that was quite powerful and emotive to read about it. So you're almost thinking about, oh, if I write or choose this word, and as Kellen said, if everybody's first language is not English and you, you really struggle in articulating your views. And actually coming back to the point on Twitter, what we heard from, I know it's not a huge sample of feedback that we received, but I think one of the comments was they don't like reflection and I, I DM them separately to see what they meant by it. And th there was a barrier to reflection in writing in English. So whether we should you know, really offer the alternatives of verbal reflection. Uh, personally, have I done it yet? The answer is no, but I'm keen to try um, a verbal reflective cycle and see how we evolve with that art. But I think we really have to make the point that reflection, and I know Kellen earlier put this disclaimer that we are all believers in reflection and we want the future generation of medical practitioners to believe in reflection and not see it as a, and that word, when I read it, wasteful tick box exercise, they, you really want to prove it to them and actually offer it to them as a choice rather than make it submittive and say that I will mark your reflection. Uh, please submit 10 reflections. So as you both know, I am, a very talkative person and often I find it difficult leaving a difficult shift without talking it through with a senior colleague or especially after a night shift I am so fortunate to have um a, a consultant that I've previously worked um as his SHO and his registrar who is always at the end of a phone call and I have you know I could list countless times that I've had to phone him to make sure that I could go back the following shift I had to verbally reflect on him so I think that I personally would benefit from a form of um meeting your supervisor maybe every few weeks and just go through talk through what went well what, what you know take your reflections I think that's an excellent idea and I think in a way it would I know obviously time is not something that we have in plentiful in the NHS and you know and with the rotors the way they are sadly at the moment but I think it would be beneficial on both sides not only for the trainee but the trainer as well because they've got insight to the trainee and they get to know them better and as their supervisor they're fully aware of some difficulties this trainee might be having and doesn't want to reflect on it on paper because that might be too traumatic for them and I think it just I think that would be something that a lot of people won't even realise that they would benefit from. Thanks, Kellen. Um, so, I, uh, promote, I didn't know. So, I suppose the, the overlying theme of this is let's reclaim reflection. And we've hinted at a couple of thoughts uh, of ways we could reflect, uh, reclaim reflection. So, taking the emphasis away from it being man mandatory perhaps taking the emphasis from it being a written form and having verbal forms as well. How else can we go about reclaiming reflection? 
Thanks, Asim. I think the question I've been asked, can you teach somebody how to reflect? I think if you look at the question from a different point of view, can you teach somebody to be emotionally intelligent? And if we just pause on that and you think, what makes somebody really emotionally intelligent? An emotionally intelligent person is somebody who self-regulates, who knows when to speak, what to speak, who self-manages their behavior, who controls their anger, who controls the emotions better, but also realizes the value of others and you know, uses that in their real life. And if you bring those elements of emotional intelligence into reflection, actually reflection is about understanding your own self. You realize your strength, your self, you're self-aware. And actually reflection has to be reclaimed for that purpose alone that we want people who are not only, we're talking about intelligence from a IQ point of view, I think we know emotional intelligence is much better than having you know, an IQ level that matches Einstein's. Because if you're not emotionally intelligent, you will not work well within the team. So I think if we believe in that process of emotional intelligence, reflection helps you become that emotionally intelligent individual. So can reflection be thought? I think you can help people reflect better. And if we believe in that process of reflection is not a punishment, it is more to help process somebody's emotions. And actually, reflection helps to improve your mood. I think Kellen made this point earlier. When she writes down things, it makes her feel better. We know it improves your mood. It improves um, your, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it also prevents burnout. So there's a study which says if you reflect better, you're a reflective practitioner, the chances of you having burnout as a medical professional are less. So putting all those things together, I think we have to reclaim reflection. And uh, it kind of brings to the point where you really have that element where you allow people to do it at their own pace, in their own time, in their own way, which, as you said, whether it could be verbal reflection, written reflection, talking to a colleague, but showing that element of growth, but not making it a formal assessment. That, that was a really nice summary of everything, promoted. I Kelly, I didn't know if you had anything that you wanted to add in at the end there. How can you compete with that? No. <laughs> no, that was just Literally, it's as if promoters no, knew what I was thinking, but put it in such an eloquent way. Um, not, you, you guys are too kind, you know that, you know. <laughs> but but I, I would encourage you to read that book by Daniel Goldman on emotional intelligence. If you, I think it's about six pounds on Amazon. It's a good book to buy. And, and the more you read that book, you think, oh, this is all about reflection, isn't it? It's just recycled in a new way. Other retailers are available. Yeah. <laughs> It's interesting that, it, you know, the same elements keep coming back in different ways. And if, if you read the chap who really wrote about reflection, his whole idea was, for example, you might relate to this. If you're reflecting, if, if there's a simulation going on, which is a practice simulation, you don't reflect much on that in, in, in action. You're just mindful that people are watching you. But in real life, if there's a real, simul, you know, real life research scenario going on, you're just mindful, isn't it? What is going on? You, you just take a step back and you think, okay, you're a bit more situationally aware. So your emotional intelligence comes into it and 
And actually, this is a good test for you both to see. Look around people who you think are emotionally intelligent and they'll be really good reflective practitioners. And the ones who are not. <laughs> so, Pramod, I, I don't know how to top what you've just said. And I think it just is a natural way to bring this discussion um, to a close. So thank you yet again for giving up your time um, and your patience with uh, today's moderator um, to the podcast. So thank you to Jochen Vaur. And I know Asim, you're, pro- you're very grateful as well. And Asim, it's wonderful to hear you talk. You're both, you've enlightened my afternoon. Thank you both for growth, for consolidation, to get better, uh, to improve and innovate is the cycle of life and reflection. Thank you. Thank you again to Promote for giving us his sage advice and to Kellen for taking us through some of her personal experiences. One of the things that had come up in Promote's Twitter discussion, the one that he mentioned during the episode, was that a number of paediatric trainees had been in contact with him, informing him that they'd never been shown any formal reflective practice styles. As such, we're going to have a couple of episodes coming up in the near future to help with this and to offer some advice on what trainers are looking for in a reflective piece of writing. Anyway, that's all for this week. Thank you for listening to Dragon Bites.